My hiring philosophy is definitely finding people who are interested in our brand and have unique perspectives. At the end of the day, if you don't get along with our core culture, you're not going to thrive at our farm. Like, you're just not going to thrive at our company. I grew up with Gandhi's quote of be the change that you wish to see in the world. And I think everyone that's here feels that way. I just understand people lie on resumes like, you tell me you can do something. I asked you to do it. You told me you could do it. And then you can't. It's baffling to me. We are back, everybody. I'm Kelly Martin, and welcome to the first episode in a brand new season of Making It Work, brought to you by FedEx. Over the next few months, we'll be talking with a whole new set of remarkable business owners who want you to know what it's really like to be your own boss and go it alone. That's right. Making It Work is the podcast featuring entrepreneurs who tell it like it is. So remember to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. We'll be kicking off season three with a little discussion about how to hire good people. Should be easy, right? Well, think again. From the importance of having a clear company culture to dealing with coworkers from hell, Here's four entrepreneurs with their experiences. Asking the questions is Tom Scallon. When it comes to recruitment, everyone has become a culture vulture. Interview questions used to be limited to past experience, salary expectations, and your biggest weakness. Now you're expected to bone up on company culture, commit to expressing its values, and maybe even promise to evangelize about its ethos. Just don't forget to ask about paid vacation time. By putting a whole lot of emphasis on culture, small businesses are able not only to find good people, but good people that stay. People that will pull themselves away from that spreadsheet to pack a box or empty the trash, and people that will perhaps accept a lower salary to be part of something special. That's what entrepreneurs will tell you anyway. Entrepreneurs like Stephanie Duncan. She's co-owner of Floral Genius, a floral design mechanics business, and Harmony Harvest Farm, who supply fresh-cut flowers. As someone who hires seasonal workers, she knows a thing or two about hiring good people. And according to her, it all starts with the company mission and values. So this is really important for us. And I'm going to talk about something that people would sometimes forget is really important to hiring, and that is mission, vision, values. I think it's critically important for small businesses to put together mission, vision, values. This is the hardest thing you'll ever write about your company. And it sounds silly because it's usually just little blurps, but it is so important. Our mission, vision, values are set. We have them, you know, we talk about them a lot. We share them with our team a lot. And we make sure that everything we do and every person we hire is shares in our mission, vision, values, or is connected to our mission, vision, values. That is so important. We hire to culture, not to skill. and that essentially means that like we find really good people who align with us and who have the passion for what we do and we teach them things based on what their what their strengths are. A good example is that we hired let's say we hired this person this is actually a real example but we're going to call her like um Loretta, okay? That's not her name. That's my dog. <laughs> That's a beautiful name. Yeah, well, I just came up with it. Um, so we hired Loretta. She was one of our field crew members, and she's just excellent, 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 excellent person. And as we worked with her, we really start looking. We tried to let people do a couple different things. We try to have them oversee a project. 
have them do something a little different. Maybe you're wrapping frog, you know, flower frogs this day because we need a couple hands there. And then we really tune into those strengths. So then we're able to, as we have new needs as a business, we now know exactly who can fill that role because it's not like we just hired for a job. We hired an excellent person. We paid attention to them and we found their skills. And so when we have a need in the business, many times we already have somebody pegged for that. You know, building a team that way has been incredibly beneficial for us. Like we have really have an all-star group of all women, uh, (laughs) which is funny. That's not intentionally, but you know, it just happened that way. And they just kick butt. And it's because we're constantly like challenging them to a bit, but letting them do new stuff, letting them really hone into new skills and pull new skill sets out of them so that we can put them in the positions that they're going to like the most and they're going to succeed at. Do you not think there's a bit of an over-obsession these days with living and breathing the company culture? Do people at the end of the day not just want to be paid well, have good vacation, healthcare, those kind of things? I think some people do, and that's totally fine. We have opportunity for them as well. But at the end of the day, if you don't get along with our core culture, you're not going to thrive at our farm. Like, you're just not going to thrive at our company. If you don't believe in, you know, empowering other people, in making people happy through flowers, in like just a general spirit of like wholesome happiness, you're probably not going to get along in our culture. And do you really want that? I think there's a distinct difference in people who, yeah, like I just want to show up and have a great time and do my job, do it well, get my benefits, get my paycheck, clock in, clock out. That is totally fine. There are plenty of jobs that we need done that you can do. And we are happy to give you that paycheck. We are happy to give you those benefits. We were happy to have you clock in and out during for your schedule. That's fine. There's a place for that. But at the end of the day, like if you don't really embrace the company values, are you going to be happy? Are you really going to want to show up to that job every day? I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't. What does your hiring and interview process look like? So it kind of depends on the job. But what we'll do a lot of times, like with our field crew, that's something that we hire every season. We have seasonal field crew. So we have like our core tribe that expands from time to time. Well, actually, it expands every year. But then we have our seasonal crew. So this is like a hiring process we go through every year. So, you know, we advertise our job, yay. And then we have people apply and we'll bring them in and interview them. And then basically what we'll do is a working interview. So this is all paid. We don't believe in having anyone do any work unpaid. That's a personal philosophy. I don't know if the legalities of otherwise, but we pay everybody to come in if you show up and you work for us. But we basically do a paid kind of interview where we take you out in the flower fields and have you do some things and then understand, is this really something I want to do for the next few months of my life? Um, There's a really interesting misnomer about flower farming that it's all about like running barefoot through flower fields and like listening to joyous music (laughs) and just smelling flowers all day. There's sure. That happens sometimes, maybe not on, we actually do not walk around barefoot because that's a safety violation, but it's hard work. It's farming. Like there it's, 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 there's, we dig holes and, and pick things, heavy things up and put heavy things down. And there's a lot of walking and carrying and bending over. And it's a lot of hard work. And so 
you know, we just want people to have the opportunity to get a really transparent look at what exactly you're going to be doing day to day. Because even though we say it and we say it over and over again, we found that a lot of people just don't quite make the connection that like flower farming is actually very hard work. When hiring people, I guess it's kind of useful not just to focus on the really fun aspects of the job, but also the bits that might be quite challenging. So my guess is that if you're hiring people for what can be quite hard physical labor a lot of the time, then you've got to manage expectations as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's all that working interview. We we really let them know, like, it's going to be difficult. And we do try to break it up a little bit, like, right? Like, if you've got a really hard labor intensive, like backbreaking, whatever you're doing project, we try to break those up amongst the team and throughout the day or a few days and then allow people the time to rest. And we really try to be super clear with expectations. Like it's, you're working outside. It's hot. There's bugs. You know, you might see a squirrel. I hope you're not afraid of squirrels. (laughs) I think that expectation setting is really important. And we just kind of start off with like, we're super crazy people about flowers. We love flowers and we love other people. And we could mash those two together on this piece of property by growing flowers to show people that somebody cares about them. And that is what we do here. And it's a lot of work and it's hard work. And we are right here beside you. But hang on, because it's going to be a crazy ride. Despite the tough sell of pretty hard physical labor, Stephanie won't compromise on her employees espousing the company's mission, vision, values. That means she has a lot of the same people coming back every year. And that's because they feel, at the farm, they're really part of something. Another entrepreneur who takes the company's culture seriously when hiring is Chat Razdan, CEO of New York City-based Carewear, a business that specializes in clothing and supplies for the healthcare market. He's the first to admit he's made some mistakes when recruiting in the past, but now has a crack team of 15 people. Plus, mom and dad too. We think of Karen Ware not as a job or not as a company, but as a family and building a community. And so everyone that is joining here has a personal story. All of our employees can assure you that we are not the highest paid salaries or anything like that. But everyone has a personal mission for why they're here. And this is not just a job for them, but this is super personal. I like to joke with everyone that When you're here, you're so much a part of our family that you get to interact with my parents and my sister. My parents are both retired and they love giving feedback and advice to not just me, but the entire team. And so they'll email team members and give feedback and advice (laughs) and try and help wherever possible. When I think about what differentiates people that are working here, it's not just that personal passion. It's that proactiveness and desire to make a change in the world. I think growing up, I grew up with Gandhi's quote of be the change that you wish to see in the world. And I think everyone that's here feels that way. We have a really inspiring team that is very collaborative. It's super important to be able to to help others when in need. And then lastly, I think it's people that really value making a difference and growing. My dad worked for the same company for 40 plus years, and he obviously had many opportunities to go elsewhere. And I think it's really important for us to provide similar opportunities to our employees where 
for him, he was an engineer that did engineering, marketing, sales, global sales, and then ended his career running strategy in Asia. And for us to be able to allow our team members the same opportunities for growth is super important. If you're a rock star and you want to try a different area and it's a need for us, I want you to have the first shot at being able to do that. You certainly can make a difference in healthcare, but I imagine it's an industry that some people get into because you can also make a lot of money too. So how do you ensure that when you're hiring people, they share your sort of mission and vision? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, to be honest, I haven't gotten it right every time. I mean, we we have different employees now than we did seven, five, three, even three years ago. We have some that have stayed, some that haven't. I think there's a couple things you can do. One, we always give people a homework assignment. We truly want them to understand what they're going to be doing and also provide them an opportunity to demonstrate their skill set and what makes them so special. I think that that's really important. Obviously, you have to be really careful where you're not creating homework that people think that you're just going to, quote unquote, steal their idea and implement it without them. But you can give them an idea of what they're doing. And I like to actually make it what I view as the least fun aspect of the job with the thought being that if they can get if they don't mind doing that and they enjoy doing that they're really going to enjoy doing doing what they do every day. I think the second thing you can do is background check and I'm not saying like go to a company and make sure that they haven't been arrested type of deal. Obviously, you want to do things like that. But I mean, more talking to their references, talking to talking to people that you might know that might know those candidates are somewhat removed. I remember once I called one of the common reference check questions I ask is what where should I challenge them? Where should I put them in a position that they've never been before where they're going to need to learn and they're going to struggle how can I help them improve? And I remember someone being like, that's the first time a reference has ever asked me, what can I do to make them better? Rather than saying, what are they really bad at? And it's, I think it's that mentality where we're trying to help you grow and trying to put you in a position to succeed. And I think that that's something that is different. So you said your team now is pretty much completely different to the original team you had. So your original mistake, would you say, when hiring was that you went at it too long trying to mold people when they just weren't the right fit? Yeah, there's sometimes that. There's also sometimes there's people that are going to be the right person for the job at different times. Let's say in sales or marketing, when you're first starting, no one knows who you are. So the marketing people are literally going to be hands-on doing your advertising, they're going to be doing all your copy, they're going to be doing your social media, etc. The sales team is literally going to be cold calling probably 200 people a day. When you are delivering millions of units a year, obviously that's changed where the head person now is going to be managing a team, overseeing it, building out a strategy for both avenues. And I think that that's something that differs pretty greatly based on where you are as a company. And so I think it's just being very open and candid with people and just trying to really understand what they're looking for. And that obviously varies from the job interview where everyone is always telling you, hey, I really want to help take this company to IPO. I want to build that multi-billion dollar brand to when you're actually on the ground running and saying, hey, as much as I like building strategies, I actually just want to be an executioner and I want to be that first person 
that helps to build the structure and layout for the company. But then I don't want to be going forward with that company. And that's okay. That's been very different for me to see and something that's taken me a long time to appreciate. You're listening to Making It Work, coming up. I didn't know very much about hiring because I'd never had to do it before. We definitely had a lot of learning to do. We had a graphic designer recently and I could tell like the portfolio that they shared with me either wasn't their work. I don't get the fake portfolio thing. Like you're gonna get rumbled, man. It's just crazy. And there's so much of it out there. It's baffling to me. I think hiring friends changes the dynamic. And once they have leverage on you, it will manifest itself in some way that is not conducive to business. So spoiler alert, all of the entrepreneurs I spoke to when hiring value their company's values. They were most likely front and center of mind when they started the business. So it's important to them that their employees all embrace the same culture. No exception to that is our next entrepreneur, Krista Cotton, CEO of El Guapo Bitters, a New Orleans non-alcoholic bitters manufacturer. She started off solo gradually bringing her life partner and part-time bottling assistant into the mix, and now expects the team to be over 20 by the end of the year. And she has one golden rule. If you want to work for El Guapo, you have to be the right personality fit. So when I started, it was just me and one part-time bottling assistant. And I was doing everything from developing recipes to getting them bottled, to selling them, to packaging them. You name it, I did it. My significant other actually quit his job and without telling me to become my COO. And I so appreciated that and needed that boost of confidence because things were really hard at the time when he did that. I could have killed him at the time I was pregnant and um, we didn't have health insurance anymore because he had quit, but whatever, he's still alive. The baby's here. We have this business. Things are successful. It all worked out. But when I very first started, I didn't know very much about hiring because I'd never had to do it before. And my first real full-time employee was... Uh, for better or for worse, my life partner and in a way my business partner, even though I own 100% of the business, as the business kept growing and I had the need to hire additional people, we definitely had a lot of learning to do. And maybe some of the things we did in the beginning weren't the best, but I really started having conversations with a lot of people. And at this point, I really have more resumes on my desk than we would ever have room to hire. People think the, the spirits industry or spirits adjacent industry is very exciting. Um, They know that when they come to work here, they're not going to be bored. So we get a lot of resumes, but having people apply doesn't necessarily mean they're the right fit for the job. We're still pretty small. We don't have an HR department. So it all starts with one conversation. I do take the weight of my current team's opinion very seriously. If they approach me and they have someone that they think is good for a certain role, I will definitely entertain that first. But I do believe in hiring slow and firing fast. I think that the personality fit and being cohesive on the team is so, so important. We do peer interviews. We do interviews with me. We make sure that personality fit is important, but also job role fit is important. So we don't have a lot of problems with turnover. We have a really strong team right now. And it's one of the things I'm most proud of. But hiring is one of the hardest things. And HR too, you know, everyone wants to make the most money they possibly can. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out compensation plans and uh, additional benefits that we can add and then communication and also transparency into how those decisions are made. Uh, 
you know, we continue to get better and better with every hire and every, uh, you know, review that we do, but it's an iterative process. And I don't think anyone ever gets it perfect in the very beginning. We're definitely much better at it now, but it's because we put a conscious effort into improving that year over year, higher over higher. And we also ask for feedback, like what, what would, right, what would you have wanted differently? So you say your turnover isn't particularly high, but has there been a time when you just realized you've made a mistake and you've had to, well, One. you said it five fast. We've been very blessed, knock on this glass table. Um, we've had one issue <laughs> and it, but this, and another thing I should have said is don't hire your friends. So this was a person that approached us. And at the time we really needed help we had gotten into the Neiman Marcus Christmas catalog. And when the pallets went out, I was nine months pregnant. So like at any moment I was going to have to go to the hospital and Brian needed help. And we were manufacturing the stuff and we were shipping it and there was a deadline and it was going in the catalog and the catalog had already been printed. And it was basically like, you can't mess this up or your entire company is like over because this is the biggest opportunity you've ever gotten. Don't mess it up. So we hired someone that had approached us and had been asking. And honestly, on paper, the skill set was amazing and it was the right fit. And and we are still friends to this day. We weren't really friends before, but what we ended up learning over the two years that we worked together is that this particular person essentially wanted one of two things, either wanted my role, wanted me to step aside and have this person run the company, which is never going to happen. I'm very happy in what I'm doing and I'm not ready to retire. I'm only 34. Sounds more, sounds more like a coup d'etat than a bad right. hire. So it, was, it was either that or, you know, make an aggressive amount of money, call the shots, work part-time and basically be completely in charge of their schedule and outsourcing a lot of the work, but wanting to get paid for a full-time role with full benefits. And that is just not, was in the best interest of the company. So this person actually came to me and said, I don't think this is going to work out. I really want your job. So I'm going to go start my own company. But we learned so much from that experience because I felt like I couldn't be honest a lot of times about how I was really feeling about some of the requests because we had a personal relationship. And I just, that really was the one that sealed the deal of, I will never hire another person that I'm close to because it just, it, it makes the business conversations just very awkward and difficult. And I learned that lesson the hard way. That's an example of when I learned the lesson the first time and I haven't done it again. I want to pick up on something you said to me a little bit earlier about hiring friends, or more specifically, you said never hire friends. It's not the first time we've heard that on this show. In fact, we have a whole episode on it. Why is that? Why shouldn't you hire friends? I think hiring friends changes the dynamic. And once they have leverage, it will manifest itself in some way that is not conducive to business, whether it's taking additional time off, asking you for things they would never ask their boss for, whatever the case may be, something is going to happen and you're not going to be able to be as honest or as transparent as you would be with your other employees because you're always thinking of the relationship. You want to save the relationship. You want to be on good terms with this person. And you want to be on good terms with all of your employees, but you're just able to be more blunt about how you're really feeling because you're not worried about hurting someone else's feelings. They're your employee. They're not your friend. I've seen too many, uh, I don't, not all situations obviously have to do with friends, but more often than not, when there's bad blood in business and people are splitting up and it's like higher level roles, it's somehow intertwined with personal versus professional. And I just, it's, it's a bad idea. It hasn't worked out well for me. And I just, there's a line in the sand and I, and I try not to cross it. It sounds like you're slightly haunted by this experience. 
Well, I mean, it, like I said, I'm very grateful that we're still friends and I learned a lot from that experience, but I wouldn't do it again because the chances of it working out that way again are not very high. Not everyone is a seasoned veteran when it comes to recruitment. Even an entrepreneur who's been in business for a while might not have gotten around to making that first full-time hire. Introducing Jacqueline Rogers, founder and CEO of Greentop Gifts, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Despite having started the company almost seven years ago, Jacqueline's reliance on freelancers has meant that she hasn't had to hire anyone full-time. But that's soon going to change. So let's check in and find out her game plan. My hiring philosophy is definitely finding people who I think are interested in our brand and have unique perspectives. I always like people that can challenge me and give me feedback. And I'm really intentional about checking in. I had a manager one time that always checked in with his employees and said, what feedback do you have for me at the end of the calls? And I always thought it was good because it was a way to like share my honest thoughts about my manager. And a lot of managers don't do that. And so I try to be a good good hire or employer. And so I always, with our contractors, check in with them, like especially our graphic designers and our illustrators. Do you like the projects you're working on? Because no one wants to work somewhere they hate the things they're doing. If you're not happy, I want you to go, right? If If you're an artist and you're working with us and you can't stretch your creative muscles, then I don't want to have you in some doing something you hate if I can find somebody who's a really good fit for our business. And I've had that happen where I had an illustrator that I loved and she was really integral in the start of our business. And then she came to me and said, I want to do something totally different and I can't really work with you anymore. And I was so bummed, but I have found ways to work with her still on projects that she wants to do that she finds fulfilling. And so that's kind of the biggest because a lot of our work is with artists. Um, And I also would say the best advice I got last year was to be slow to hire and quick to fire. I think you must have learned the slow to hire, quick to fire thing in entrepreneur school or something, because I've heard it so often. So I guess my question relating to that is that you can hire too slowly, can't you? You can, you can. And I have, I have had to quickly say, let me just, and that's part of why I say, let me hire someone and put them on like a trial period. And then if that trial period doesn't work, then we can part ways. But that's funny that you say you hear it a lot. I think that's because these businesses are our babies. Like, you know, these they are in infancy. We, we're controlling of them and we want to have our hands in every part of it. And so we want to make sure we find people that are a good fit. Because if they're not, if they're in high positions within the company or they're, you know, your CFO or your CMO, and they're not a good fit, it can be detrimental to your business. Has there been a time when you've been like, yeah, I made a mistake here. I have to get rid of this person quickly. Yeah, we had a graphic designer recently and I could tell like the portfolio that they share with me either wasn't their work or they just couldn't do it as quickly as they they had said they could do it. And the work they were sending me wasn't in a software system we prefer to use and it was just the quality wasn't there. And they sent over like, three designs and I was like, yeah, this is person's not going to be a fit. And then when I was asking them like specific things, they couldn't figure out how to do it. And so I was like, yep, I just don't think it's going to work out. And they're like, well, can I have another chance at it, another shot at it? And I was like, no, we're going to move on. But thanks for your time. I don't get the fake portfolio thing. Like you're going to get rumbled, man. It's just crazy. And there's so much of it out there. It's crazy to me. Like, I just don't understand people lie on resumes. Like, you tell me you can do something. I asked you to do it. You told me you could do it. And then you can't. And you think that's going to, like, how long is that going to go? Like, I don't know. It's, 
It's baffling to me. I'd be scared to do it. I don't know how people are so bold to do it, but I guess they think if they can get in a role, they can figure it out. But some stuff, you just got to know the basics. So after that experience, are you a bit more careful about your due diligence? I would say I ask more specific questions about specific softwares, technical terms. I dig a little harder, I think I would say, in the interview process. And then I'll still take a chance. Like if I think the work and the person can do it, I'll be like, okay, let's try it out. Let's see. And then everything's a trial period. So it's, it's an easy way out for everybody. So going back to this full-time person you're going to hire, Green Top Gifts, I'm, I'm sure, has a very distinct set of values that are very clear in your mind. How do you go about communicating that with a potential candidate and making sure that they share the same values? I shared this recently with somebody on a podcast, and I think they looked at me like I had three heads. But we have <laughs> like three core values that we put on our thank you cards. <laughs> And we say that our values are love, joy, and family. So we want people to love our products and have a pleasant experience with them, right? And we want to bring joy to people through our products. And family is the core of our business because our products were designed for celebrations and families. And your family can be your, your friends or it can be your actual family, right? And so love, joy, family, those are kind of our core. And so we want to make sure that those things shine through in all that we do. And so I want to make sure that the people that I work with feel like this is a sense of family and support and that they have a community here and that all the work they do, they're putting their love into it, right? And then that it brings them joy. And so I always try to make sure when we're looking at partnerships, when we're looking at people that we're hiring or we're looking at, um, you know, content we're creating, does it check those three marks? And so when you talk about that with employers, people are like, love, joy, and family? Like, how's that going to work? But <laughs> I think it's important for people to understand that and I try to move in that space and those three, those three core values when I guess my day-to-day -day and my interactions with people. You're based in Atlanta, Georgia, a pretty massive city with I'm sure a lot of big companies who can offer things that you potentially can't offer. So I'm thinking about stuff like healthcare or maybe a bigger salary. Do you find that that's an issue for small businesses when they're trying to find talent? I do. I feel like that's definitely an issue. There's so many opportunities and spaces for people. And so it, it does present challenges. And so it's going to require funding for us to make sure we find people with the right fit to cover you know, their salaries and get quality, quality staffing. I feel like the people will come to us. If, I think I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, probably a little too optimistic in it. You with hiring have the, if you build it, they will come philosophy. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good philosophy, but that's what I got. <laughs> Coming up next time. Okay, the next topic is on supply chains. Is this something you could... You're smiling, so I guess you've got a lot to say. <laughs> every, every freight worker we talked to always said, oh, I've never seen it this bad. And at first we took it as, you've never seen it this bad, so it's got to get better. Then we took it as, okay, let the, you never see it this bad, but it can always get worse. I have a friend who, you know, he owns an ice cream shop and he's like, I literally bought a whole tractor trailer full of spoons. <laughs> so you have to buy a tractor trailer load of spoons because there's just not the bandwidth for these manufacturers. That's it for this episode of Making It Work. We have plenty more in store for this season. So if you want to be first in line for new episodes, make sure to subscribe. Like what you're hearing? Why not leave us a rating or review? We read all of them. You can also get in touch with Tom, myself, and the team by sending an email to makingitwork at fedex.com. Thanks to our entrepreneurs, Stephanie Duncan, 
Krista Cotton, Chat Razdan, and Jacqueline Rogers. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Marguerite, written by Tom Scallon, and edited by Lars Blockenberg, with creative direction from Jeroen von Koningshoven. Music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created the song with actual sounds from the FedEx Superhub. This show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin. <laughs>